Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. I've been battling with this for a long time and I'm just real, real, um, I'm nervous. I'm kind of just excited. You know that excited nervousness that you, that you get sometimes when you have to do something? And, and I love that feeling because it lets me know that um, I, I've, I haven't reached any place where I think I'm a professional yet. And I pray that I never do. I pray that I'm always scared, that I'm always nervous. And, and so far for 11, 12 years, it's, it's still remained. I'm still scared. I'm still nervous when I come before you. But I just want to welcome all of you that are here the week after Easter. Amen. Amen. Because Easter literally brings everybody and their mother and their mother's friend and their mother's neighbor. Everybody comes out for Easter. We had, uh, we had over 250-something people here last, last Sunday. And, and so I just, I'm real excited that you guys are here after Easter. Easter is the most attended day in any church service. And I believe it's because there's a place in people's hearts where everybody needs, you know, they, they're excited to find out about the mysteries of life. Everybody wants to hear about resurrection, right? Everybody wants to hear about new life. And so, you know, people just come out and they're drawn to that because I think that's, that's something that's in us. You know, there, there's a place in everyone's heart that longs to understand the mysteries of life. I grew up in Manhattan on 80, any, any Manhattan people here? All right. On, on uh, 83rd in Amsterdam, and my, my mom and I went to a little church there called Holy Trinity, Holy Name. No, Holy Trinity is the one on, on 83rd. And, you know, I was part of the school there. I went to the to school for the first three years and that, so we had to go to that church or they would charge us more, you know. So, so we went to, to, you know, we went to that church growing up, and right up the block, as long as I can remember, not 20 feet from that church, is a palm-reading, tarot-reading place. And, you know, I didn't know what that was growing up, but, but as I got older and I started to say, man, that, that place is still there. There's a, there's a palm reading place, not 20 feet, right? The church starts there, Candace, and, and, and right here is the palm reading place. It has been there the, as long as I can remember my life, it's still there. And now that I deal with um, commercial properties and rents and all that, I say, how does a little palm reading place pay the rent on 83rd, on 81st and Amsterdam Avenue, between Amsterdam and Broadway, that's prime real estate. How do they pay the rent reading tarot cards and, and palm reading? I never see anybody in there. I never, there's never lines of people going in there. I said, how do they pay the rent in that place? But I guess the bottom line is people go there, don't they? Because they're not, it's not coming out of there. People go there. And I think it just leads to the fact that, that people want to understand the mysteries of life. People want to know. And, and people want direction. And people want instruction. People want to know that there's more to just the day-to-day, -day, right? Obviously, because somebody's going there. Somebody's paying the rent in that place, in that neighborhood. And so on that block, there's a choice. There's mass or there's tarot cards. 
And see, in my opinion, the problem is people would rather pay somebody to tell them what they want to hear than to hear the truth for free. Say amen. amen. Somebody besides Candace. Hallelujah. See, people would rather pay somebody to hear what they want to hear than to hear the truth for free because when I pay someone, they're going to tell me what I want to hear so that I can keep on paying. Isn't that truth? Right? If I pay somebody to tell me something, they're not going to tell me, um, you should depend on the Lord and stop giving me $80 to read your palm. And they're not going to drop truth on them. They're going to drop, um, this week what I'm seeing is you're going to run into someone that's going to change your life. Right? And so then that person's going all through the week, wow, I'm going to run into somebody. And, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're going to meet somebody and, and that person, it could ruin your life, but still you say she was right. Somebody changed my life. I'm going to give her 60 bucks next week. Right? They're going to tell you things that you want to hear. Some churches are like that too, but I'm not going to go there. See, but as the body of Christ, as, as ministers of reconciliation, we're called to share with people what they need to hear. Amen? Whether they like it or not, whether they come back or not, whether they pay or not, whether they sign up or join up or not, we're called to share with people what they need to hear. We're called to not, not to condemn and not to curse as, as, as a lot of uh, places do, but we're here to share the good news. Amen? And so I have good news for you today. Amen? So if you're joining us this week, I, 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 I want to welcome you and thank you for making a decision to come back after Easter, for, for knowing that that one day of the year is not going to change your life, for knowing that, that, that walking with God is, is, is a lifestyle, it's something that has to continue, that doing it that one day is not going to amount to a hill of beans if you just went back and keep doing the same thing you've always done and expect different results, right? And you're, not, you're never going to be able to say, God, but I went Easter, you know, and, and probably some of us will be bold enough to do that. You know, we'll go to God. God, where was I Easter, huh? I got up early. You saw my suit? I was chulo that day. I was, I was done up. You know how much money I spent on that Easter outfit? Right? Some of you probably be bold enough to do that. But, you know, it doesn't mean nothing. It means nothing. Amen? All right. So, anyway, we've been doing a study on the nature of God by, by learning the characteristics of God, by learning the names of God. And so we've been doing this study for about five weeks. We, we, we call it name dropping because I believe you can learn a lot about a person by learning the names that people call them, right? Let me give you a quick example, ladies. You meet this guy. You met him in church, probably Easter, because that's the only day he came, right? But you, you meet this guy and you are buying every line he's selling. He is a smooth criminal. Everything he's telling you is all good. And, and you're just loving this guy. You're like, man, I'm feeling this. And then you start to get around his friends and you meet his friends and you find out his friends don't call him Donald or Eric. His friends nickname him player. And you, and, and you start to meet his friends and everybody calls him player. His mama calls him player. His daddy calls him player. Every, that's his nickname. He's got gold jewelry that says player. He's got earrings that say player. See, once you learn the name, you learn something about the man, don't you? Right? Problem is some of you will stay because you want a bad boy. And, and, and then, but anyway, that's a whole other sermon you ain't paid for yet. 
You learn a lot about people by learning their names. So we've been doing this series because I want every time that you find yourself in trouble, every time that you find yourself in despair, in depression, in doubt, in fear, I want you to have names to drop on those situations. I want you to to have names to run into. Amen? If you've been here for the five weeks, you know this verse by heart. Proverbs 18.10, say it with me. The name. Oh, you're reading it. You're cheating. The name. Let's start again. Come on. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Anybody need to feel safe today? Anybody need in your life, in your situations, in the things you're going through to feel safe again? Well, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. You need to kind of get that, get that in you today. So what I want to do today is give you more names to drop. I want to give you more names so that in every situation, in every circumstance, you're going to have a name to run into. Mind you, it's not always in a bad circumstance that you should run into the names. Even when you're thankful, even when you're grateful, even when you're happy, even when something good happens, you should have a name to run into, to drop on that situation and say, thank you, Jehovah Jireh, because you are my provider and you provided this for me. Amen? Sometimes we get so gassed up with ourselves that we think every good thing that happens to us is because we did it. Anybody? Tell somebody that's for you. He's talking to you. Right? We think, we think we're so good at our jobs. That's why I got a raise. We're so good. Listen, they'll cut your throat in a minute. If, if it wasn't, you know, if you don't understand that God, not that we don't have to do excellence. We do everything with excellence. But understand that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so you need a name to drop even when you're thankful. Amen? All right, so today I want to share with you a name that you probably won't find in many worship songs. It's not something we sing. It's probably a name, maybe you never even heard of it or you don't really understand it. But the name and the title of of this message is The Last Adam. The Last Adam. I think it's vital that we understand it. That's one of Jesus' names. It's one of the names they gave Jesus. They call him The Last Adam. Adam, and I think it's so important that we understand why. Amen? Okay, that name, we find it in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. You don't have to turn there. It just says, the first Adam received life, and the last Adam was a life giver. Come on, that's heavy. The first Adam received life. The last Adam is a life giver. See, Adam was the first man. You, we know the story, right? If you've been to church once, you heard the story. He, you know, Adam was the first man. He received life, and he was created in God's image, and God gave him this unending list of blessings and abundance to walk in, and only one thing not to do. And as you know, you know what happens when men aren't, where they should be, and when men aren't doing what they should be doing, any naked woman with a juicy fruit is going to cause them to fall. Is that the scripture? When men, can I say, I got to say it again. When men aren't doing what they should be doing, and when men aren't where they should be, any naked woman with a juicy fruit is going to cause them to fall. Write it down. That's good stuff. 
I've heard it said, men who don't stand for something will fall for anything. Come on. Come on. Hit the, hit the guy next to you and tell him, recognize. Romans 5.12. Let's, let's break it down real quick. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in that way death came to all men. So we, we understand. That death and sin came to us through the first Adam, right? So the first Adam received life and he fell short, making all of us fall short. Look up and say, thanks, Adam. So he fell short, he made us all fall short, but, but it's not over there, amen? The story doesn't end there. It says in verse uh, 5 and 18, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life to all men. Somebody should shout. For just as through the disobedience of the one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many were made righteous. Amen. The first Adam was given life. The last Adam gives life. Oh, you just need to kind of... See, the last Adam is all about transformation. Transform. It's all about being totally transformed. I'm reading a book, and, and, and this book, uh, you don't be shocked, I'm reading a book, it's alright. Some of you should read books too. So, I'm reading a book, and this, this book uses the story of the beauty and the beast. How many of you remember that Disney? Right? You love it, look at some of you smiling. I love that movie. I love that movie. So, if you remember in the beauty and the beast, you remember the beast, he was this, this, this fearful, you know, big, ugly looking beast that everybody was scared of. The whole town was looking to kill him, right? And they're chasing him toward the end of the movie. They're chasing him to kill him. And at the end, right, Gaston, remember Gaston? Some of you watch too much TV. So Gaston comes and, and he deals the, the final blow. And so the, the beast is dying, right? He's laying there on the floor wounded. Everybody thinks he's going to die. Do you remember the scene? Do you remember what happens then? See, the beast, at the end, when it's all said and done, the beast becomes the best-looking prince in all of the Disney movies. He becomes this papi chulo with long hair. and, and right. And, and, but you have to understand, see... it. She discovers that, that she can't live without him. She's laying on him. And then what happens is she finds out that it's her love that breaks the curse. Come on, if you've been a Christian two weeks, you should get excited. Her love breaks the curse. And did you notice what happened to the house? Did you notice that the house was transformed? Did you notice that the people in the house were transformed? See, understand this. Because he was cursed, everybody around him was cursed. You got it. You got it. Because he was cursed, everybody around him was cursed. Come on, the maid, the butler, they were turned into pots and candlesticks. Even the dog was turned into furniture. You ever been around some people that are so miserable that everybody around them is miserable that even their pets are miserable? Right? You go to their house and you pass by the fish tank and the fish are like, kill me. Kill me. Please kill me. The dog is like, shoot me, please shoot me, right? They're so miserable that everybody around them is miserable because when you're under a curse, look, even the kid, I don't know who, the, who that kid was, but even the kid became a teacup. What, why? 
Because generational curses affect our children. Generational curses, the word of God says, not Disney, but the word of God says, generational curses hit the sixth and seventh and eighth generations of our kids to those that are against God. See, when there's a curse on us, that curse is on everyone around us, everyone in our covering. But, but, but the love broke the curse. True love broke that curse. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Does that sound familiar to anybody? If you crack the Bible open once or twice, if you've seen the Ten Commandments or if, you, if you've seen a, a Christian movie or something, does that sound familiar? True love broke the curse. Through one, many were made sinners, the first Adam. Through one, the last Adam, many were made righteous. Amen. One brought it and one broke it. Come on, say it. One brought it, and one broke it. I want to I wanna follow the one that broke it. Amen? I want to be part of the one that broke it. I, I need to have the one that broke it. See, what happens in this fairy tale is the essence of life. All of life is a fairy tale, and every, every fairy tale ends with transformation. Why do you think every fairy tale ends the same, don't it? Think about it for a moment. Cinderella becomes a queen. Pinocchio, a real boy. The ugly duckling, a beautiful swan, right? Scrooge becomes a giver. Father, I just pray for that Scrooge spirit up in here that you would just change it and, and release them, make them givers and generous people. Right? Every fairy tale ends the same way. The, the lion gets courage, the scarecrow a brain, the tin man a new heart. Right? Every fairy tale ends with transformation. Amen. The youth are finally listening to me. <laughs> I don't know one person going to answer me back. Every family, our story is the same. Our story is exactly the same. To break the curse, to break the cycle of sin and death, there must be transformation. John 3, 7 says, you must be born again. There's no other way to break the curse that true love has to lie on us and weep over us and break the curse in our lives. Amen? Once the curse is broken, it's broken in you and it's broken in those around you. Come on, you need, to, you need to understand that you're not just doing this for you. you God, God created us in a way that we need each other. He created us in a way that we would be independent, that we wouldn't be independent, but that we would be dependent on one another. He created us in a way that, man, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're blessed, I'm blessed. And, and that should be our heart. If you're cursed and I'm under your covering, I'm cursed. But if you're blessed and I'm under your covering, I'm blessed. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now listen to me, as Christians, that's probably one of the biggest things we struggle with. It's a tough concept to understand. It's such a big mystery for a lot of us. And... I, I believe it's one of the reasons that people leave the church and leave God because of that verse right there, because of a poor understanding of it. See, if the curse is broken, why are some of you still cursing? Isn't that a good question? 
If the curse is broken, why are you still cursing? If you've come to, to God, if you've said, God, I trust in you. God, I, I follow you. God, I, I, I want you to be. But, but then you walk out, you're still cursing. You're still living the same way. How come? So then you come back and say, well, then I'm not a new creation. Well, then I'm not really saved. Well, then I'm not really, I never really became a Christian. So it doesn't matter if I walk away. And the enemy just messes with that, that, that mess in your head so much that then you're out there and you're twice lost. Let's take a look at what happens. That's how I kind of just want to break this down if you allow, allow me for a few minutes. Let's take a look at what happens. See, we come to God. We have this experience with God. And the word says that, that none of us can come unless God draws us. So understand that God has drawn you here. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you think you did it on your own and you even give yourself credit for that or your friend credit. No, God had to draw you for you to come to him. He, you can't come on yourself. You can't do it by yourself. You can't make it by yourself. You, you think, well, and, and I hear people tell me that all the time. I'll come to God when I'm ready and I'll, you know, when I get my life. You can't. Unless he draws you, you can't. Okay, so just kind of, I think you got that. So something happens in us. He draws us. We come and that one day we come forward maybe. We say a prayer in the front or we say a prayer in the back or we say it out loud or we say it in our hearts, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no formula to it. But we, bottom line is we confess our dependence on him. We say, God, we need you. We accept you. We receive you. Come into our hearts. And according to the word of God, right then and there, the magic of fairy tales happens. Do you understand that? Right then and there, the, the first time that we just confess and say, God, I need you, I rely on you, come into my heart. There's no right prayer or wrong way or right stance or whatever. It's God sees the heart, right? So the moment we do that, stars twinkle, smoke fills the air, fireworks, angels rejoicing, bam, you're a Christian. That doesn't even sound right, right? But that's what the Word of God says. Bam! You're a Christian. Bam! You're a believer. Bam! You're a new creation. Bam! You're partakers in the new covenant. Bam! You're God's children. Bam! You're adopted into royalty. Bam! There's a new covenant that says you've been given a new heart. So, bam! You have an instant heart transplant. Oh, man. Like that. Through no merit through not deserving it, through nothing good that you did, because even the good that you did by coming and accepting him wasn't you anyway, he was drawing you. You see how God took all the glory for himself so that you wouldn't get any credit? Thank God, because then we'd be bragging on that. And we'd be prideful about that. You know, oh, at 25, I really brought my put my life together and i came to the lord and i've been serving no you didn't you're a mess god drew you and you answered thank god that you did amen thank god that you did so so anyway it's the same scene that we just saw there's the beast that's you and me lying on the floor we're dying and the last adam comes and he lays down his life over us and he weeps for us he declares his love for us and just like the fairy tale bam we're trans formed in the spirit we're instant papi chulos amen just tell a guy next to you there's hope for you yet we're no longer beasts we're now princes we're and slowly after that everyone under our covering listen to this Everyone under our covering feels the effects of the broken curse and the new life. And shortly after, individually, in God's perfect timing, they too are transformed. Isn't that exciting? Okay, I, I'll be by myself on that. 
So what's the problem? Why would people walk away from such a transformation? The problem is, although I got this new heart, say new heart, new heart, I got a new heart. Although I got this new heart, this new heart, and, and in this new heart there's glory, in this new heart there's goodness, in this new heart there's truth, there's, there's no evil in this new heart. You know how I know this? It says because Jesus dwells in this new heart. So there can't be evil in this new heart. See, a lot of people twist it and say nothing, everything's wicked in us. No, God says I give you a new heart and I dwell there. If God dwells there, there can be no evil there. There can be no wickedness there because God can't dwell with wickedness. Do you understand? So there's a clean part in you. Smile. It's all right. There's a clean part in me. Tell somebody. There's a clean part in me. There's a part in me that's not defiled. There's a part in me that's not disease ridden. There's a part in me that's not fallen and sinful and decayed. There's a part in me that's new. That, that alone will change you if, you really, if you really get a hold of that. But what's the problem? This the problem is that this new heart is still encased in this old flesh. How many of you know that's the problem? I see the heads nodding. That's the problem. This flesh that it's in. This flesh is the problem. This flesh will never serve God. Isn't that crazy to say? The words, this flesh will never serve God. So the problem is the flesh that this is encased in. This is the flesh that was crucified on the cross with Christ. This, the flesh is the dead stuff. It's the old man. It's the old me. The new heart is the new me. If you would grasp that, your life would change. Really, I believe it. My life changes weekend, just reading it and just, just kind of preparing it. If you would understand the new me is who I am, not what I do. What I do does not define me. I need to preach this someplace else. The new me is my heart. My heart is who I really am. My heart is made new. I'm a new creation. The new me wants the best that God has for me. The new me wants all of God's promises. The new me wants more than anything to follow God's ways. The new me wants everyone I meet to know him and to find him and to follow him. The new me wants to go from glory to glory to glory to glory until we enter the glory of heaven and what God has for us. The new me knows in his heart that it could be right here as it is in heaven. The new me wants this more than anything else. But there's something else. That new heart is sitting inside this old flesh. And this flesh hasn't been transformed yet. This flesh still wants to do what it always did. This flesh still wants to curse. This flesh still thinks it's under a curse. This flesh won't see transformation until we get to glory. He says we'll be given a new body. Amen? Me and Gary, me and Pastor Gary are going to do a whole series on heaven once we're done with this. Because people have this misconception of heaven. We think we're going to be floating around on clouds eating Philadelphia cream cheese. Just, and just worshiping. And, and I've had people tell me, but that's boring. I don't want to go to heaven because heaven seems boring. Because they think that hell is like a nightclub and you got your Tims on and you got the latest gear on and you're flashing all the bling and it's a club to party, to party, to party. They have this picture of hell. And so I want to go to hell. That's where my boys are going to be. I want to be there. That's where I'm going to know everybody. That's where I belong, right? That's where I need to be. That's where it's going to be jumping. Negative. 
negative, but that's not another series. So this flesh will never see transformation because this flesh will never make it to heaven. Shout at it, you ain't going. You ain't going. I, I, hope, I hope somebody sees this. I hope somebody gets this today. So naturally, there's going to be a struggle. But people don't like struggles, at least not in this area. Some of you, we can tell, will struggle into a pair of jeans that don't fit. Some of you will struggle to drive a car you can't afford. Some of you will struggle in every other way. But when you ask people to struggle for purity, to struggle for sanity, to struggle for their power, to struggle for their authority, to struggle for their inheritance, all of a sudden it's too much work. Paul describes it best, this battle with sin. I love this passage. It's in Romans 7, 14. I'm almost done. Stick with me. Pay attention. If someone starts talking to you, tell them, shut up. God, how, how can I hear from God if I'm listening to you? you we need to get, get this. Romans seven fourteen says, this is Paul talking about his life. He says, I know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. That was the first Adam, right? He sinned and he sold us all as slaves to sin. So I'm sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do because what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. Anybody there? Right? Anybody? Me and Eric, hallelujah. What I, I don't understand what I do because what I want to do, I don't do. What I hate, that I do. 18, it says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, in my flesh. Nothing good lives in me, not in my heart. He made a distinction there. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil that I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. A lot of doo-doo up in there, right? <laughs> now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. It is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. How many of you feel that? How many of you know that's true? When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, in my new heart, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Problem is, so many of us stop right there. We're like, man, what I want to do, I can't do what I can't. C.S. Lewis says, no man knows how bad he is until he's tried to be good. Isn't that true? Say amen. amen. No man knows how bad he is until he's tried to be good. Paul has the answer. You know, so many of us stop right there. What a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this, from this condition, from this body of death? Paul has the answer in the cure. In 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So who will rescue me? The last Adam has already rescued you. Get that. Let it sink in. Don't be distracted for one moment. The last Adam has already rescued you get that. 
Why do you think he wasn't called the second Adam? He wasn't called another Adam. He's called the last Adam. Means it is done. It is finished. I died for your sins, past, present, and future. Anything that you're going to do next week, I already know it and I already forgave it. Stop beating yourselves up. What are you doing? The last Adam. There's no more after him. There's no more Adams needed. The prices paid. Redemption has been bought and secured. So many people walk away from God even after being reconciled to God because they find it too hard to struggle with their flesh. Paul was an awesome giant in in the faith, wasn't he? I mean, I I look at Paul and I say, who here would dare compare themselves to Paul? And yet Paul says, I can't even do what I want to do. I can't even get this thing right. Paul says, I can't even get this thing right. He says, I have the desire to do good, but I can't carry it out. Now listen to me, church, family. I am not giving you an excuse to sin today. So don't get this twisted at all. I'm not giving you an excuse to sin. I'm not saying he, he died for your sins, past, present, and future, so it doesn't matter how you live. That's, that's some crazy warped doctrine that you will hear, and you do hear it on TV all the time, that there's no consequence, there's no sin. There is consequence. Everything there's consequence for. You will have to give an answer and an account one day for everything good and bad that you've done. So I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm not saying it doesn't matter how you live because it does. What I'm saying is there is a struggle between this new heart and this old flesh. And we should never give in and we should never give up because God's law was given to us just to show us how much we need His grace. You understand that's why God gave us the law? Just to show us how we can do it. He he gave us this list of things, don't do any of these and you're good. And nobody yet has beaten it. It's like a level on a video game that you can't pass. Nobody has beaten this yet. And, and the only reason he gave it to, it's not like God is this mean, trying to make this little dog do tricks that he can't do. God is just saying, look, you can't do it. But I did it for you. You can't do it. But it's for you. Because I love you so much, it's already been done. So stop beating yourselves up. Stop, stop. God knows. And listen to me, this is, this is revelation I want to drop on you right now. Revelation right from the heart of God. Listen, God doesn't love you any more on a good day than he does on a bad day. Come on, that should just... God doesn't love you any more on a good day than he does on a bad day. And we think that way, don't we? We have like one good four hours in in one morning, right? And we say, man, I started the day off right. I read a scripture. I talked to God in the car. I looked at somebody and smiled. I showed the love of God to somebody. And it's only been three hours. But man, this day I got it licked. I'm doing good. God must be so happy today, right? No. God loves you just the same as the day when you woke up, didn't read the word, didn't talk to him, didn't have communication, didn't pray, didn't, and he was still watching over you, and he's still looking after you, and he still paid the price, and he still loves you, and nothing's changed, and everything's the same. He's still loving you just the same way as when you thought you were good, because the bottom line is you can't be good enough. Amen.
You can't be good enough. The second Adam has made you righteous. The second Adam has paid the price for your sins, past, present, and future. Listen, the same Paul that had that struggle, I'm closing right here with this scripture, I promise. The same Paul that had that struggle, he wrote this in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Church, I want you to understand we need to press on. You need to press on. Next week, I'm finally going to talk to you about the God of the breakthrough. And, and in, in that, you're going to find that there are going to be enemies in your life that you're going to fight all of your life. Not great news. Somebody say, oh, man. There are going to be some enemies that you are going to fight all of your life. The good news is after all the tears... After all the struggles, after all the ups and downs, you have victory. Amen? You read the end, we win. We win. Tell somebody, you win. You win. All through, I was preparing this the, and talking about fairy tales and talking about transformation. I just, the, the picture of Cinderella kept coming to me. And I didn't want to do another video clip. I didn't want to turn this into a Disney night. But the picture of Cinderella kept coming to me. And I, and I kept thinking about this Cinderella who, who the, the prince now, you know, this is after the deal happens, right? And she runs back home and she's, she's back under the control of the evil step people and everybody and, and she's hidden in the dungeon, right? And, and the prince comes to look for her and, and he says, bring me, where are all your daughters? And so, yeah, they bring all the ugly stepsisters up and, and they bring all these girls. And these girls are trying to fit into that little glass slipper and it, it don't fit. They don't, there's no match. And he says, surely there's another daughter. And they say, oh, no, but well, there's one more, but she's, she's dirty. She's, she's nothing. She's not worthy of the prince of royalty. And he said, well, you got to get that Cinderella. You got to bring her to me. And, and you guys know the story, right? They go and they, she cleans up her face a little bit. She tidies up her, her hair a little bit. And, and she's in rags and, and nothing, nothing good in her. She doesn't look like anything. She comes and she puts on the glass slipper and it fits beautifully. And she's instantly transformed. She's taken from uh, out of that house of abuse. She's taken from out of that house of neglect. She's taken from out of that. And now she reigns as the queen in her own palace. And I kept thinking about that and, and God kept putting that on my heart because I think there's a couple of Cinderella's here today. Amen. I think there's a, and, and let's not make it a gender thing. Cinderella could be a guy here. Let's not, let's not get it twisted. Let's not make it a gender joke. But there's, there's, there's some of you Cinderella's that are guys here. You've been kept, you, you're, you're in, you've kept yourself or you've been kept in this place of abuse. You've kept yourself um, unworthy. You've kept yourself three levels below worthy. And you say, God can't use me. God can't touch me. I'm not royalty. I'm not um, the, the heir. I'm not the prince. I'm not the queen. And listen, if that's you today, I want you to just, let's just bow our heads for a moment.
I don't believe God will show me that picture for nothing. I think there's, there's at least five or six of you here that are Cinderella's. And, and wow, you know what's happening right now? The, the prince has come to get you. Your prince has come to, to receive you. Your prince has come to call you out. The, the prince, the prince has come to call you out of bondage, has come to call you out of fear, has come to call you out of a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of, of debauchery, a lifestyle that's, that's cursed. The prince has come today to call you out. And listen, I want to tell you, there's tons of slippers up here. And, and there's one up here that fits each and every one of you. If that's you, if you know it's you, before I even go further, just come. Just come. Just come. Come up. Just come up. Everybody else, just keep your heads bowed. Let's not, let's not, we're not looking. We, we, we just, just pray. If that's not you, if you know that you're in glory, if that's not you, if you know that you're doing what God wants you, that you know where, where, where God has you and you know that you're already royalty, God's already received you and accepted you, then don't take this time to do anything else but pray for Cinderella to come forth. There's more. There's more. You guys can start to play something. There's more. Amen. 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 The second Adam has already paid the price for you. <laughs> and right now, you just, you come, you know, you don't even have to try it on. You know it fits. You know, you, you look at it, some of you, you look at a shoe, you look at something, you know it fits. This, you don't even have to try this on, you know it fits. Just come up. Just come up because there's one here for you. And it's a perfect fit. And today, today, God wants to deliver you and show you and, and take you to the place. Take you to the place where you can dance, where you can be free, where you can be relieved from everything that you've struggled with, relieved from everything that you've dealt with. Paul says we're going to forget what's behind us and we're going to look ahead toward, toward what's in front of us and we're going to take a hold of what God has taken a hold of for us. Can I have the prayer, the prayer team, if you would come and just stand, stand with these people. Encourage them and bless them and, and speak over their lives as the worship team is just going to play really softly so that they can hear. But I, I want you to just release and pray over these right now. And if you're, listen, before we even leave this area right now, if you're still sitting, if you're still sitting, you've never made a decision. If you've never made that choice, if you've never had that, that desire, if, if, if that desire is welling up in you right now and you're saying, God, I want to serve you, God. I want to know this truth. I want to know this purpose in my life. I want to know this. If that's you, would you just come and join? Would you come and join us? And would you in your heart just pray? Say, God, I receive you. God, I need you. God, I trust you. God, I'm going to depend on you, God, because today you've called me. And today I will be transformed. Right now there's transformation happening in your lives. God is putting a new heart. A new heart. Just pray. Pray for them. Pray for them. God is putting a new heart.
Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.